0: Welcome again to Great Takes, Less Filling by The Daily Gopher. I am Chris, go Fur, and with me again is U Street. Hey, y'all. Well, this is a, a different kind of Great Takes, Less Filling. I, You know, I another close loss, but somehow not the palpable sense of frustration that I think we were all feeling after Maryland and Purdue. And obviously, a lot of that has to do with the way the second half went, most specifically the fourth quarter uh, for the offense of the Gophers with Demi Croft. So um, before we get to everything Michigan State related, uh, Alex uh, had a, a pretty important question he wanted to ask, I think.
1: Yeah, here's my question. It's two weeks in a row, you've gone to a game, there has been severe weather and a bunch of lightning. What have you done to offend the weather gods?
0: Well... You know, I was going to say, I think it's it's the world uh, saying that the the gold hat had to be worn, but technically the gold hat was being worn when everything showed up at Purdue. So unless, you know, I'm being punished for losing the hat, like a second week of, of bad weather simply because I didn't do a good job of keeping the hat on my head, I, I'm struggling to see a connection there. Um, Outside of that, I think, you know, just some bad luck. Uh, Interestingly enough, Andy and I kind of thought it through. This was the first real game uh, at TCF that was just a day of rain. There have certainly been games where it rained. There have certainly been games where it sleeted. There have certainly been games where it rained harder for shorter periods. And there have certainly been games where the tailgate had rain in it. Uh, it, it, That was even harder than what we got here. But this felt like the most sustained, like, from the beginning of the time the tailgate tailgate lots opened until all the way through the game. This felt like the most sustained, quote, rain game that we've had. And if you think about it, I mean, that's essentially 10 years, basically 70 games, and only one of them has been like that. So I think it was just, we were due. We were due for just a, a cold October, rainy day.
1: I don't believe you. I believe you have done something terrible. It will come out. Potentially in a year. And this is uh, this is the karmic punishment for it.
0: Wow, you, you apparently harbor some dark thoughts about what I do in my free time.
1: I'm not saying that it's some like thing like you killed a hobo or something. <laughs> I just think that maybe you were you were on the highway or something and you cut in line and cut somebody off and that person was late to some important engagement.
0: Well, now, hold on, though. I think the problem with assuming I cut somebody in line is that 90% of the people who drive don't understand what the hell a zipper merge is. And so (laughs) I, I would be accused of cutting in line when what I was doing was properly zipper merging.
1: My girlfriend constantly is annoyed that I personally apparently do not understand the zipper merge.
0: What don't you understand about the... It's the simplest concept. If there are two lanes moving down to one, everybody stays... Going forward in both lanes until the very end, and then you alternate who goes into the single lane.
1: Apparently I'm too nice, and I'm willing to let other people in, and this is infuriating to her.
0: I mean, technically the zipper merge survives on a tiny bit of niceness. You have to make sure you're not the dude who's following the person in front of you. You have to let that other lane come in, but just just the one person.
1: Yeah, she she would she would make an argument that I let two or three people in and that I am therefore ruining the zipper merge.
0: So by she would make an argument, you're saying she would correctly and astutely observe that you're letting two or three people in, thus ruining the zipper merge. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, incidentally, it's my least favorite part of going back to Minnesota is that people do not get the zipper merge and that nobody who goes to the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport has any concept of, of how to properly execute the pickup or drop off lanes, which I agree, horribly designed given the number of cars who come through, but there are some just moments of sheer stupidity slash assholery. And, you know, y'all got to work on your game here. It, Cincinnati doesn't struggle with it the way you do. Pick it up. You know, top 15 media market, you should be able to handle dropping people off at the airport. it's my observation as an expat who comes home for football um all right quick thoughts Michigan State I mean I think one of the reasons I felt so good about this game is that even though there were certainly things to be frustrated about without question it never and, and and I should say and while there was a period that it felt like it might get out of hand it never really truly felt out of hand to me you know Minnesota forced enough turnovers uh, did enough to keep the game feeling like it was close-ish, even when it wasn't really. And then, of course, the fourth quarter happened. And, you know, it, it really changes the whole feeling of the game when you have that kind of a, a late point explosion. Especially when it, you know, felt more like that's the kind of offense, you know, they want to run. Dirty secret, I didn't actually see any of the 14 point explosion with an early flight this morning and eventually losing a little bit of feeling in my fingers after the fumble recovery turned into touchdown. The subsequent Michigan State drive, you know, I just looked at Andy and I said, Andy, I think it's time. I think if we get back, it's going to make my travels tomorrow a lot better. Made the choice just to to risk the fact that there might be a comeback. I always hate taking that choice, uh, so I didn't actually get to see it yet. I haven't watched the film, uh, but from what everybody you know was saying on Twitter and what we were, I was reading in the Slack chat, there was a lot to be excited about in that final in that final quarter. How would you break down, Alex? Just quick thoughts from the entire game, but maybe most specifically the the fourth quarter that has everybody excited.
1: Yeah, the game in general. Certainly shows why if you have a quarterback that is performing well and you get lucky, that good things happen to you. Both of those are important. The first half was, of course, pretty miserable. Connor Roda had a terrible game. Overthrew a lot of receivers. Uh, Started out with a real solid over 4 with 4 incompletions that in my notes I describe as overthrow, garbage overthrow, Further garbage overthrow, somewhat reasonable throwaway that probably should have been intercepted. So not great. <laughs> not Did great. They,
0: I, w- I want to be clear: are those technical terms you've, you've built for yourself?
1: Yeah, garbage. Garbage throw has a has a long and storied technical history when describing football plays. This is, the, this is the, I don't know, the PG. I don't remember if you can swear in a PG movie now. I don't know what the ratings are. But this is, this is like the G-rated version of what I felt about a fair amount of the Gophers offense. When Demery Crawford came in, to be clear, it wasn't as if the like college version of Robert Griffin III had shown up or something. But what he did provide for the offense was twofold. One, because he is a bit more mobile, he was more willing to step up in the pocket. And this seems on some level a small thing, but it's actually really important. And here's why it's really important. Connor Roda's main problem on a lot of his overthrows were, was as follows. His primary option would be covered his secondary option check down would be covered because Michigan State, good at defense. Kind of a thing that they pride themselves on. And then, instead of... He wanted to keep his pocket. But instead of stepping forward or stepping forward and out, so to potentially become a running threat, Rhoda instead continued to back up. This meant that if he was ever sacked, instead of it being a 7-yard loss, it's now a 12- to 15-yard loss. But more importantly, it meant that when they started the scramble drill, Rhoda was going to be throwing off his back foot. And it doesn't really matter who you are, unless maybe Brett Favre. If you're throwing off your back foot, you are not going to be able to put as much power into that throw. So he had a few throws that were bad throws that probably would have been fine if he'd been able to set his feet, move through, have solid fundamentals. Demery Croft's throws, even the bad ones, so he had a couple of overthrows, in the second half, he had at least two passes beyond the pass that was intercepted that should have been intercepted and got some help from his wide receivers to prevent that. But his throws were much better because he was stepping forward in the pocket. It also meant, what I thought was really good for him, that his checkdowns yesterday were fantastic. He looked at his first option, his first option wasn't there, and he went through his progression and was frequently able to find his check down in space, or find someone who was running the scramble drill in space. That was, that was fantastic. When Flex said the last 10 minutes was the offense that he couldn't wait to see, I totally agree. And the reason I agree is because that was the offense that Western Michigan pounded people with last year. It was efficient, it was mostly pass first. The run was used when it was optimal as opposed to being the primary option. A quarterback was able to make good decisions, more or less. There was a specific run where Demry had such a wonderful deke, and if you haven't seen it, you should go watch it, because it looks like he's going to get maybe a three-yard run. And then the Michigan State defender takes sort of a weird angle, and the other Michigan State defender on the scene slows up, and he just deeks in between both of them and ends up running for about 15 yards. That Demery Croft, that Demery Croft is going to win a lot of football games because the offense is so much more multidimensional. And it's not multidimensional because he can run. That's not why he's multidimensional. It's multidimensional because he's making good decisions. And when he makes good decisions, Demery Croft, unsurprisingly, given that he was a relatively highly touted recruit, has more talent then they'll walk on. That's what I saw.
0: So one thing that's obviously been a theme this year is, you know, Tyler Johnson working kind of the crossing pattern with a lot of success. At this point, is there anything specific that they're doing offensively that sets that up better? Or is it just something that he's really comfortable with that route and he runs it very well?
1: What up, cat? For me, the biggest difference isn't a specific concept that they're running, but is the importance of having a good position coach. Tyler Johnson has credited Matt Simon with a lot of his success this year, and that is unquestionably true. This staff knows how to coach wide receivers. A change, perhaps, from previous staffs and previous position coaches. A really good example of this, and partially this is Tyler Johnson's very good, and he has a lot of potential to be special at the college level. I don't necessarily know if he has NFL potential, because I'm not one of those people, but he could be an incredibly productive, very special player at the college level. The last touchdown. He is the primary option on that route. I know he's the primary option on this route because Demry basically just stared at him the entire way and then threw the touchdown. Johnson is going to be running a route that ends up being a cutback slant into the middle of the end zone. And he set that route up so well that he more or less broke both ankles in his defender, an elbow in his defender, potentially several collarbones with his defender. (laughs) The entire defender was just a broken mangle of bones. It was a gorgeous move, set in the ground, and looked so much like he was going to run a fade and then pop back over. That's coaching, and that's hard work from a player. It's coaching because it's cr- teaching the correct fundamentals, and as importantly, it's hard work from the player. Johnson is clearly working very hard in practice. That's why he's having his success. Because as I learned when I was briefly coaching a non-sport-related activity, it doesn't matter how good or honestly how bad you are as a coach. If the person you are coaching is really coachable and is going to work really hard to improve themselves, they will be successful. But if you're a good coach, as Matt Simon clearly is, and you get that kind of person, the ability of that person skyrocketing. I think the other bit from a schematic change is that they figured out ways to move Tyler Johnson around to get matchups that were more favorable so he could get open. I'm not entirely sure what Michigan State was doing on the back end. I'd have to go watch film and or wait for Derek Burns to break it down, which if you're not watching Derek Burns' YouTube channel, you should go watch Derek Burns' YouTube channel. One of the things, though, that I'm almost positive Michigan State was doing was shadowing Tyler Jensen with multiple players, so either bringing a safety for help, uh, having a linebacker try and cut off a route, jamming him in some way. And in the fourth quarter, it appeared as if Kirk Chiracca figured out a way to move him around, to become more open. And that, I think, schematically was also helpful.
0: Another guy who really stood out for me, I just it just felt like you could see him making an impact, if, if that makes any sense, was Carter Coughlin. Uh, I know you've been extremely excited about Carter and his production from the rush defensive end position and and where they've moved him around. I mean, was there anything special you saw that was different this week or was just another great performance out of a young guy?
1: I thought it was another great performance out of a young guy. Similar to what I said about Tyler Johnson, clearly also appears to be true for Carter Coughlin. He seems very coachable and he most importantly seems to be working really hard on adding to his arsenal And he's getting great coaching, it appears, from Vice Pop. His performance and his progression from week one to the Michigan State game has meant, as you've said, that it's become that he's becoming an impact player. And he's becoming an impact player even though he's giving up at least 50 to 70 pounds on his ever blocking him on a regular basis. From a potential standpoint, that's incredibly encouraging. Because it indicates that If he has another really strong offseason, so he can maintain his speed but add, say, like 15 pounds, so he's playing around 255, 260, and still have the ability to move if he needs to drop back in coverage, this is an absurd comparison. I want to be very clear, it's an absurd comparison. But his ceiling is Clay Matthews.
0: That's That's a big statement.
1: It's an absurd comparison, but the reason why I make that is that he has the ability to just ke- to cover, so he can run with a tight end. He can potentially run with a slower possession slot receiver. He can rush very well, and as you saw in the last game, he has the ability and the knowledge on the field to just get to the ball. So he's able to take stunts, he's able to get more he's developing more moves and when he's doing that he's becoming far more impactful on a regular basis and this is his first time he's ever been playing that position which is the other key he hasn't played that position before so he's learning it on the job give him a full year or another off season get him to add more strength hopefully continue to maintain that speed special player he's going to be a special player
0: we're going to transition now to narratives uh the idea that there are a couple things that you're hearing a lot, probably from certain sections of the Twin Cities media, on Twitter, maybe from your friends around the water cooler. Uh, just these are the, the the common things that everyone is saying, and, and some of them just frankly don't make a lot of sense. I guess we'll start with the idea of the Gophers, you know, that the Gophers should be six and zero right now, and you know, I, I I still like you know we talked about this in the in the pod last week. I don't necessarily disagree with that, but it just seems like there's a lot of really simple glossing over of exactly what this team has faced in terms of injuries and suspensions, and I, I honestly feel like the the suspension part of it is is also just somehow not getting the level of attention it should and the idea of, you know, this is a coaching staff that makes very clear what its expectations are. Some players aren't meeting it. Yeah, then that's going to happen. They're going to get suspended. And the idea that, that we should be sacrificing that discipline for a win over Purdue or a win over Maryland in year one just doesn't really sit right with me. It it, it it doesn't make a lot of sense. I want to go to a bowl game and have this team win as many games as possible. Don't get me wrong. And I want that to happen in year one. It's what I kind of it's, I mean, it's ultimately what I predicted for year one and it's what I want as a fan. Winning is more fun than losing. But when it comes down to it, if what we're talking about is the difference between winning close games over Purdue, Maryland, and Michigan State. And a meaningless bowl game at the end of the year. While Fleck fails to have the opportunity to properly instill his program the way that he has it designed. I don't get the point in that. And I don't get the hang up that people have with that. Like Fleck was hired to win. He was not hired to win just in year one. Or most importantly in year one. If we have to sacrifice wins to Purdue and Maryland, and I want to be clear, I don't think that's what Fleck was choosing to do. I think that's a reasonable outcome and a reasonable take of things that the the suspensions contributed to those losses. I just don't see why we should be upset about that. Now, we don't know that Fleck's going to win big. We just don't you can feel really positive about it but you're not going to know that that's going to happen i just don't see the point in getting hung up in wins right now at, in the concept of versus the future and that's ultimately when we come when it comes to disciplinary practices under a new coaching staff what we're talking about the team has to trust that he means what he says And they have to take him seriously. And they have to know that he's going to enforce things the way he says he's going to. And he can't get around that by letting folks slide. And then, you know, frankly, the injuries have just been problematic too. Antoine Winfield Jr. is just too important of a player to have go down and not see a significant impact. And I think, you know, in chatting before we started recording here today... Alex, you kind of had some some real strong thoughts as as to his injury alone being a significant key to, to the fact that Minnesota wasn't able to close out some of these close games.
1: Yeah, to remain G, I don't give a flying folding chair if they beat Purdue or Maryland in year one. At all. What I care about is beating the tar out of teams like Purdue and Maryland in year three. The only games on the schedule that I ca- actually care about in year one about winning are Wisconsin and Iowa. Because I care about those games every single year. And then I guess like Michigan because it's on and jug or whatever. But if it doesn't have a real trophy attached to it, I don't care. With that said, the Gophers would be 5-1 and one right now. I'm not going to say that they would have beat Michigan State. But they would have been 5-1 right now if Antoine Winfield had been your starting safety the entire time. Because he is unquestionably the most important player on the defense. And he's the most important player on the defense because he is your best run defender. The Govers have had struggles against the run in Big Ten play. They've had a lot of it. They've also, of course, had struggles uh, against the pass. Currently on defense, here are the players that are injured. Jerry Gibson, who doesn't really count. Duke (laughs) McGee was suspended, which is important. So functionally an injury, but an injury for stupidity as opposed to an injury for an actual medical problem. Keandre Thomas is injured. Zoe Creighton is injured. And most importantly, Antoine Winfield is injured. Your secondary is depleted. The way Rob Smith tries to defend the run depends a lot on the safeties. They need to crash the line. They need to be the extra guy in the box. They need to read the decision. They frequently have to make tackles one-on-one in space. Jacob Huff's played admirably well this year. Ken Handy-Holly, when he was in, played well this year. Duke McGee, stepping into the starting safety spot, has played fine this year. None of them are Antoine Winfield. There have been a lot of problems on the offense, but none of them are ultimately insurmountable if you have a fully healthy defense. Remember... Against lesser competition, sure. The defense didn't give up a point in the second half of any game in the non-conference. It wasn't as if Rob Smith was failing to make adjustments or something. It's that the people he is playing with are not the people he'd want to, and the depth fundamentally is not there.
0: I think something you mentioned, too, really sticks with me is that Part of it has to do with the decision making too. Antoine Winfield Jr. is not just a player who is physically gifted and higher at a talent level. He's already as a young player taken on quite a bit in terms of his decision making and, and where he you know, making the right call as far as do I crash right now versus you know, take some other responsibility. And when you replace him with a player who isn't him, you're gonna take a hit not only in terms of some of his skill set, but in terms of some of his decision making as well. And that can, you know, I, I think we saw I think we've seen the impact of of how depth has played into that as some of the breakdowns against Purdue and, and other things we've seen have come into play. Because there are simply plays where defense isn't making the right Right call. Like, uh, I should say not the right call because it makes it sound like it's Rob Smith. While out on the field, the players aren't executing what's been called exactly as it needs to be. And we're just not talented enough across the entire defense to get around that.
1: Yeah, I believe there is, and, and I will say before I finish this sentence, as a parenthetical to it, I understand why people do this. But we place way too much on coaches. Paul Johnson had this interview last year where he was talking about recruiting, and he was saying, you know, everyone says that Kirby Smart's a great recruiter. Well, Mark Richt was a great recruiter. Vince Dooley was a great recruiter. He can't remember the last time Georgia's head coach wasn't a good recruiter. Maybe it's not because of the head coach, maybe because it's Georgia. And the reason I bring that quote up is because frequently it's probably not the coaches, it's the players. Why is Alabama good every year? Because they have the best players. Why did Clemson win the national championship last year? Because they had the best players. If you want to predict who's going to be there at the end of the season, you look at preseason rankings, even with a bit of the wiggle, they're generally pretty close. Why is that? Because preseason rankings are basically... Who has the best players? Minnesota doesn't have those players right now. And their best player on defense is currently injured. Now that doesn't mean that individual players on the defense and on the offense aren't really well. But last night against Michigan State, Kirk Scirocco didn't call a magically different game when Demry Croft was in, as opposed to Connor Roda. Players made plays. And it's always going to be the case that players made plays. Mark D'Antonio and co. didn't randomly get stupid on defense. They just Their players were out-executed by Minnesota's players. That's why year one doesn't matter. Year one doesn't matter because we don't have the players. Now if in year three they're making the same problems, that's a coaching problem. Because you didn't identify the right talent and you didn't develop that talent when you got here. But right now, right now, come on. (laughs) As Flagg said in the press conference yesterday, raise your hand and then he specifically told his wife to put her hand down. (laughs) Raise your hand if you thought Mark Williams would make a lot of plays for the team this year. Mark Williams had an amazing game yesterday. He played great in the second half. If at the beginning of the season we legitimately thought Mark Williams would catch a single pass, much less be a key contributor, we either had incredible foresight or we were confusing Mark Williams with an actual starting wide receiver. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. And I mean, and I want to, because I, I very much second you on the feeling of, you know, it doesn't, year one is just, it doesn't matter the same way. I, I want to be clear that both Alex and I, and anybody else who shares this opinion, I think all understand the frustration that comes with that we're not we're not impartial observers we're fans that's why we are on the blog writing because we came from a fan perspective it is a fan blog so I don't go to the game as much as I'm enjoying myself this season by focusing on some things that I can control more than the outcome on the field. That does not mean that at the game I am not absolutely maddened when Conor Rota continues to back up and throw off his back foot, or when you know a breakdown happens because I feel like I just singled out Connor Rota as the source of my frustration, which isn't true. I we get the frustration, we get the feeling that. God, it sucks that we're starting over again. But you know what? We're starting over again. There's no way around that. The fact that we won nine games last year doesn't change the fact that we're starting over again. We are. Things were actually worse than I think some people realized with a nine-win season, combined with the fact that it's just a different coaching staff. When he talks about a culture change... You know, some people get really defensive about that and focus solely on that it means that the old culture was wrong. And ultimately, no, that's not what he's saying. I think there are people, fans, who believe that that's what he should be saying. But I don't think that's what he's actually saying. I think what he's actually saying is, what I do is different. I have to instill this thing that is not the same as the last team. Until that happens, things can get messy. Be aware of that. And it's truthful. They I mean... It's no different than any time we get a new boss at our places of work. If something changes, it's going to be hard and you have to take time to learn and there are going to be mistakes. And I know Minnesota fans are tired of that. But Minnesota fans have to get used to it again because that's what we are. We're in a team of transition and and the first year is going to it's going to it's going to be a struggle at times. The, I think the good thing is that the fourth quarter at least gives us something to be excited about. I don't think the fourth quarter offense pretends immediate changes across the board and this is suddenly not the same you know team that's struggling because of depth issues and everything else but at least it was a close loss that had some excitement to it as opposed to a close loss where after playing eh, you know not so great the whole game we then let let a late lead slip away
1: yeah Pennywise the Clown in his guise as an old, cranky Star Tribune columnist, <laughs> made this made this point that they would be six and zero if Croft had been starting the whole season, and he can make that argument because he's a disingenuous, horrible human being. <laughs> but he is also wrong in that. The Gophers had Demery Croft for the first couple of weeks of the season, and he wasn't that great. Connor Rota was named the starter probably in part because of the off-season, off-the-field issues that Demery Croft had. But also, the on-field product was not incredible. I think there is a constant desire, which we know in general, that the backup is everyone's favorite player. But in this case, it is absolutely true that Demery Croft at his best will be better than Connor Rhoda at his best. This entire blog, if you go back and listen to these podcasts, which you should increase our numbers, let us get that sweet Squarespace money, we all wanted demry Croft to seize the starting job. Every single one of us did. And the fourth quarter, the end of the fourth quarter was why? Because the offense as intended by this coaching staff seems to work a whole lot better when Croft, playing well, is running it. And what I hope we get for the rest of this season is that the players who were doing the things that prevented them from being on the field, not because of injuries but for others, fix those things. Because this staff clearly, as Fleck explicitly said, doing the right things academically, athletically, socially, and spiritually, I will never budge from that. This staff has a culture. That's what that culture means. It means specific things to them. It doesn't mean this culture is better than the previous culture. Though, if we're being honest, purely based on results, maybe. But it does mean that if you are going to do something wrong, that's not going to slide with this coaching staff. And maybe the things that you are doing wrong are things that separately we may think are stupid. And that shouldn't be a problem. But they are a problem for this coaching staff. That's how they're going to lead. When players follow that and do the right things, this coaching staff has a track record that says really good things are going to happen. I'm hopeful the Gophers will still get to a bowl this year. It's increasingly unlikely. But I think it's still definitely plausible. And the end of the fourth quarter showed you why.
0: Yeah, and I I think that's where the... It's fun to have the excitement, because ultimately, Illinois next week, still horrible. Nebraska, I mean, could be on the verge of giving up. Who knows? They're getting just smoked by everybody right now. Iowa's got flaws. Northwestern has flaws. I mean, really, it comes down to the fact that Wisconsin, (laughs) I don't see how we're supposed to beat Wisconsin. But you know what? We weren't supposed to beat Wisconsin when we kept them out of the national title conversation back in uh, Barry's early tenure either and that happened so you know stranger things have happened um but yeah i think he hit the nail on the head ultimately the idea that the coaching staff should be sweeping violations of team rules downplaying them sweeping them under the rug so that they can play the more talented quarterback fails because the more talented quarterback didn't win the job based on performance early and it fails because it doesn't make sense for Fleck. And here's the thing that really annoys me when certain members of our local media say this. And especially, uh, I'm going to note that uh, Alex again gets our hot take of the day presented by Fallout Four. Because anytime you you know call Pat Royce Pennywise the Clown, I'm going to throw a nuclear you know explosion sound into this podcast. That's kind of how that works. Uh, I think it's a it's written in our bylaws somewhere. But what really annoys me about when the media does this, and, and Royce wasn't the only one. Chris Long said it, and then he sort of backtracked on it on Twitter. So I'm not, I'm not going to say this is what he meant or if he was just being really inarticulate about how he phrased the initial tweet. But when you, when you come to this idea that they should have put wins over discipline, besides all the things we've talked about already as far as why that's a bad idea and doesn't make sense, the media in this town who say that are just being disingenuous if fleck had done that and they had found out they would have slammed him for doing it Royce would have slammed him for doing it others would have slammed him for doing it they would have said you're not doing it the right way it's it's heads you lose tails you lose kind of setup from media members who like to play that kind of a game and so if you're if you're if you as a fan are sitting there going yeah, Demry should have been playing. Keep in mind, you saw it yourself. Demery hadn't won the job by performance yet. And then two, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And I'm not even, you know, normally folks who will see me in the comments know I try to take a fairly even tone on things. And I fail sometimes, but in general I try to be constructive. There's no constructive here. If you think they should have played Demery, you're wrong. And frankly, I think you're being stupid. There's no reason that should have happened. They handled it the way it needed to be handled. Broke team rules, paid his price, earned his way back up the depth chart. When when Rhoda couldn't get it done, he had his opportunity, he seized his opportunity. That's how it's supposed to work. Yeah, I, I'm i not going to have a lot of time for that narrative this week. If I have to hear very much of that narrative this week, I'm going to go absolutely crazy. And I, I have no, no qualms in saying, if you're on board with that narrative, you're either a disingenuous evil clown... Or you're just not thinking very hard, and it shows. So don't be that. Don't 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 be the person I'm talking about hypothetically, uh, and that goes for you too, Pat. Don't be Pat. Don't be a Todd, Pat. Don't be a Todd. All right, Street. Anything else you want to throw out there before we uh, finish crushing this uh, can of great takes less filling? No. Excellent. Everyone who's been listening, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We're having a lot of fun with these podcasts. If you uh, haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever you like to listen to us on. It makes it easier for you to get a hold of these sweet, sweet takes. Uh, and with that, go Gophers, Skyuma, row the boat.